We are back. Welcome in, boys. Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook. I am so curious to see how this show is going to go today with all the hype around Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I'm curious to see what your guys' take is, and hopefully we'll kind of tone it down. But uh, I'm Brent Pasqua, founder of RPA Wealth Management, financial advisor, and I'm here with Matthew Thiel, certified financial planner, and Joshua Winterswike, certified financial planner. Before we start to dive into all this crypto hype, I have a question. You know, once you get your jab in your arm, and it feels like it's coming sooner than later, what's the first thing you look most forward to doing? Well, I have a laundry list of things, but I think um, for me, the most exciting um, will be when I'm back in my seats at LAFC and uh, watching the black and gold play. Uh, but a lot of the small things too, you know, going out to dinner, or just going in public and having no fear. That'd be nice. Oh, and taking my mask off. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Um, really love going to LAFC, which is our professional soccer team in downtown LA. And, uh, you know, my wife really enjoys it too. We've already talked about how we're really excited to go back to, you know, in, in, in general, we love going to sporting events too. I mean, that's something that we miss concerts, kind of that entertainment. Um, so really looking forward to getting back to some of those things we love to do. What about you, Brent? Yeah, for me, I think it's, you know, we were always so busy on the weekends. We always had stuff to do, whether it was like Disneyland dates as a family or, uh, the kids used to love going to Dave and Buster's and just some of the different places. We had outings all the time. And I can't wait to get back to doing that stuff with them. Although, you know, what we this time I think has taught everybody something, it, uh, so many things. We don't need to be doing stuff to enjoy each other as a family. We can settle down and be at home and, and, and really have fun. But I'm excited to get them back out and doing normal things like, you know, once they open up. Yeah, I think we all are. We need it. Extra, extra, read all about it. Let's hear the latest hot takes on some recent news items. So let's get into the hot take headlines. Uh, J&J has their COVID vaccine that's basically being authorized to be used in the U.S. The FDA approved the single shot J&J COVID vaccine. The shot began shipping this week, and it has been shown to be very effective, um, but not as quite as good as you know, the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine. Before I get your thoughts, you know, the one difference between Pfizer and the Moderna uh, vaccine and the Johnson Johnson is, you know, Pfizer and Moderna are mRNA vaccines, and then the Johnson 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 Johnson's a viral vector vaccine. What's sort of your thought on the J&J's vaccine? I think it's great news. Um, you know, more players in the market. Now, as a consumer, you have three choices. I mean, only in America would we have a deadly pandemic going on. You get three choices of what vaccine you get. <laughs> There's a menu. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's great. The J&J, um, you know, should speed this process up. So, you know, go pick your poison and go get your jab. Yeah. Have, just to piggyback on that, I think it's awesome that, you know, we do have the menu, but also it gives us another tool in, in the tool bag. You know, you get to choose. You have a couple different options now. And just another, you know, gun in the arsenal to hopefully getting rid of this awful virus and pandemic. Yeah, it seems like to this point, you really haven't had the choice. It's either if you're going to go get your shot, you're getting what they give you. But are we almost to the point where we can be selective on which one we want to choose? I hope so. I think that, again, it just makes it, you know, better for people to make a, a decision that's best for them and their families. So I hope that is the case where we are to the point where we get to choose. It sounds like um, when you actually, since they redid the website, um, depending on where you go get stabbed at, you do get to pick now. 
um, so that you select from the drop down on what shot you want. So uh, that's new um, for people, I think, who started getting vaccinated in the last couple of weeks. And I think it's really important. I mean, only one dose. And so like you said, I think just this process of getting more people vaccinated and having an option for only a one dose vaccine, you know, is just going to put us into a better place going forward. So really excited for the Johnson & Johnson approval. And is Johnson & Johnson going in arms already? Yeah, I believe so. I, I believe it was started going in this week. They were shipping them out and then started uh, probably, you know, yesterday or today. That's great. Hopefully at a vaccination site near you. So let's get to the next headline. Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool Sports, is getting into the ETF business. I mean, this guy's name just keeps coming up, and I'm pretty tired of it. But, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's actually very influential. So he'll be lending his name and marketing machine to the soon-to-be-launched VanEck Social Sediment ETF. The ETF will track the next-gen AI U.S. Sediment Leader Index. Buzz will invest in the stocks that are receiving the most positive sentiment on the internet and social media. First of all, what index is this? What does this even mean? Like, I can't, I'm trying to figure out what this means. Yeah, so essentially what it is, it's gonna be, it's a, like an algorithm uses AI learning and whatever uh, companies are getting mentioned a lot online, this, they go into this ETF. Kind of cool, I guess. Um, but as for Portnoy, you know, this, these are the things that happen at the top of the market when a guy who makes his name um, in sports gambling uh, also puts his name behind an exchange-traded fund. And I think it's important to know that he's just the hype man behind this ETF. And the, basically, in my, my eyes, this ETF is just basically following and tracking social media hype of these stocks. Um, I don't know, you know. How you guys feel about the strategy didn't he already or didn't somebody already try to do this yeah there was another one just like it that had a similar algorithm that was launched in 2016 i think it was actually the etf was called buz and the new one's buzz and it folded i think last 2019 oh that's interesting i didn't know that mm-hmm. so what von eck is there Bitcoin uh, potentially going to be a part of this? Uh, are these the Von, Von Winkle guys or what's happening? No, no, no. This is completely different, I think. Va- Van Eck and uh, the Winklevoss twins are different. Got it. Yeah. So, like, when you look at something like this, is this going to, though, eventually create Bitcoin? Because it seems like he's been on that kind of Bitcoin push as well. No, it's not. No, this is just for you can't get Bitcoin in one of these. Yeah, it's just going to be a bunch of social media hype stocks and they're going to track them. And I think that it, what it, it rebalances once a month. They, they recalculate like the, the highest hype stocks and they rebalance the ETF. Um, so I guess instead of going out and buying the most hype stocks, you can buy a bunch of them in this ETF. That's their play. I wonder if some hedge fund is going to game the system and get long some like crazy stock and then pay some Russians or Chinese to... Uh, uh, create a bunch of fake accounts and hype the stock on um, social media so that it gets included in this and the stock goes higher. Yeah, I mean, I could see that with all the following that they have. Yeah, that'd be kind of crazy. <laughs> so basically, as a summary, this, the, this big social media guy with Barcelona Sports is creating a fund with other people that are going to invest in social media companies and they're trying to hype it. Companies that are getting um, hyped on social media, not social media companies. Got it. So like other companies like Microsoft, Amazon, those companies can be in this ETF exchange traded fund if they're being 
if they're very popular and being hyped through social media platforms. So like if everyone's, you know, tweeting or Instagramming or Facebooking about Peloton, Peloton will probably get added to this. Right. So they're, they're building off of the GameStop situation then. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Now that we've warmed up with some hot ticks, let's go to the retirement planning corner and see what's on the docket for today. All right. So let's get in the retirement planning corner. Uh, if we didn't talk about hype enough, let's get into another one. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. It was created in 2009 by an anonymous online personality that goes by Satoshi Nakamoto. Since it was created, it has risen in price from being worth a couple of dollars to today's price of 49000 What is a cryptocurrency just on the basic level? Yeah, before we get to that, um, let me hijack the show and just say we're not Bitcoin experts. So, you know, I'm sure someone's listening today who's a big crypto bull. They, they know a lot about this. This isn't that kind of show. This is more just a general introduction. Um, and then also, full disclosure, I, Matthew Thiel, own some Bitcoin. And Joshua, I believe you do too, correct? That's correct. And Brent, do you? Yes. Okay. So we all have Bitcoin that we bought years ago. Okay. So uh, a cryptocurrency um, is essentially a, a digital currency that you, you create a computer program and computers mine these coins and then you go to an exchange and you could trade these these coins on an exchange so instead of like a dollar bill it's basically a file on your computer yeah it's it's a file or kind of like a a long serial number perfect so why you know a lot of this hype has happened throughout you know 2009 and since then and then it feels like it comes and goes and it gets hyped up again and it goes up. And then what was it in 2017 or 18? Yeah. It got really high and then it completely collapsed for like two years and you really didn't hear much about it. But then it's making this resurgence again. And what's creating that? Uh, well, I'll take the first stab at it. There's just a lot of money out there. There's a, a lot of money um, in people's accounts we've talked about on a few shows and they need places to put it. And Bitcoin is an asset that is highly volatile. And, you know, it goes up and down a lot. So it's a, a good spot to gamble with your stimulus check. Yeah. And I think, you know, the appeal for it now, you know, we've talked about it in a couple of episodes per- before, but like savings rates are up, right? The stimulus are being handed out. Money is very easy. And people are looking for another speculative investment. And the price of Bitcoin is driven by supply and demand. So there's more demand for Bitcoin now with this easy money. And it's driving, you know, the price up. And I think it has just the allure of, you know, making a, a bunch of money by buying Bitcoin because it is so volatile. So we all want to be a part of, you know, this rapid increase in value to make a quick buck. Are people going to be able to eventually purchase products online or in other capacities with Bitcoin? It are, it's already being used in, in certain industries to be used as an actual currency, but it's, I don't think it's as adapting as fast as a lot of people imagined it to be. Yeah, so from my understanding, and, um, you know, again, it'd be great to have a cryptocurrency expert on here, but the Bitcoin payment network is a little slow. I know that, I know they've tried to change that, but they introduced some, like, Lightning network on top of Bitcoin. Um, there's other cryptocurrencies that have been created, in, you know, since Bitcoin was created in 2009 that are much better at doing payments than Bitcoin is. And essentially what I've seen is it's less of a actual currency for payment and more just a store of value. Yeah, it's digital gold. And that's what a lot of people say, right? It's the digital 
uh, virtual gold in, in your investment portfolio. So why hasn't the SEC approved this yet? Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, my guess is it has to do a little bit with politics. It probably has to do a little bit with criminal activity. Um, but, you know, and then it also probably has to do with volatility, right? They're trying to protect investors. And also just that it's decentralized. I mean, how are they going to get around that? There's not just one hub that's holding all of the ledger for, for Bitcoin. I mean, that's one of the, um, you know, selling points of Bitcoin is that the users own the platform, right? So there's not one ownership of this currency. And so I think that's probably another speed bump of the SEC actually improving is, it. Is, is the IRS having challenges on how people pay taxes on crypto or has that already been figured out? I think it depends what kind of exchange you're at. For instance, if you're at like a, a U.S. Um, onshore exchange like a Coinbase or a Robinhood or, or a Cash App, I believe that you will be getting tax forms if you buy and sell Bitcoin. But if you go to a different exchange, you know, overseas and you kind of just move it on your computer and then move it off, I don't really see how they can track that. I don't know. Could I, could I be wrong, Josh? No, I think you're, you're right there. I think it is becoming some of the bigger exchanges. And when Matt says exchanges, just like we have our stocks and we exchange them on the, you know, the stock exchange, there's exchanges for the Bitcoin that make it easier for the user to actually buy and sell the Bitcoin. So from these bigger institutions for, that are you know, providing that service um, for the exchange of Bitcoin, those tax forms are now being generated and you can report your earnings um, and losses to them. But then like Matt had also mentioned, you know, if you're storing them in your own wallet, you're having to track all of that data. And now that's up to you if whether you're going to actually report that increase and decrease of value. I understand that, you know, people have all the extra money and they're wanting to do something with it. And, and cryptocurrencies seem like a, a new fad for people to put their money. But I'm curious to see, we have a lot of just normal people reaching out about cryptocurrency. And it might, my question is like, what is creating? Is it you know, the Elon Musk tweeting about it. Is it the new mainstream news media talking about it more? Where is this really the hype also coming from that's creating people to just inquire more about it? Well, it's gone up. So it's FOMO, right? You have FOMO. You have fear of missing out. You, you see it. You go on CNN. You go on CNBC. Oh, Bitcoin's at 50000 today. Let's bring on this uh, Bitcoin hedge fund manager who's made billions trading Bitcoin. You're like, oh, that could have been me. You know, it's the same thing going on with vaccines right now. Your buddy gets a vaccine and he's at the bar with no mask on having a good time. <laughs> and then you're like, dude, I want my vaccine. Me too. Yeah. So, you know, it's just FOMO. Everyone has fear of missing out. And I think it's a combination of all of those variables, right? I mean, you're, you're on social media. It's there. Um, you know, your, your buddy's posting that he made a bunch of money, you know, buying Bitcoin. It's there. You, like Matt said, CNBC, you turn it down. And now it's like the S&P 500 flashing at the bottom, the Dow Jones Industrial flashing at the bottom, and now Bitcoin's price is flashing at the bottom. So it's almost like, I, I, why am I missing out on this? Yeah, I bought Bitcoin a while back, and I don't even remember what my password is. I don't even know if I can even <laughs> log into it. Uh, the question also that I have is, though, why is there so many cryptos, though? Like, why don't they just narrow it down to a couple versus having, how many are there? Because it's open source and anybody could create them. You could go online right now and get the code base for Bitcoin. And if you know how to code and understand the language, which I don't, I don't think any of you guys do either, you could create your own cryptocurrency. And that's what a lot of people have done, like that Dogecoin or the Doggy Coin, or whatever the one that Elon Musk was tweeting about. 
Literally, that thing was started as a joke. Those people copied the code base of a, another cryptocurrency and put a dog logo on it. And then all these people started buying it. Yeah, and they're trying to create, you know, the the idea of cryptocurrency with other applications too, right? So using, um, not to get too detailed, but like smart contracts and other applications for the coin. So creating a new coin and tying it to a different like, or more specific or niched application. So again, there's more demand for it and people blow up the price. So that's kind of to answer your question. Like, so we could probably pay a developer overseas to take the code base for like Bitcoin or for Ethereum or any of the other popular cryptocurrencies, duplicate it for us, rename it, and we could have RPA crypto. And we could have our pl- clients only pay us in our RPA coin, so then they'd have to go to some exchange and buy it. But that's how easy it is. So is it fair to say that if, if Bitcoin is like gold, all these other cryptos are like other precious metals from back in the day? You have silver and you had all different types of precious metals. Is that how this is kind of developing? Kind of, but I think it's more like the dot-com days where there's maybe one or two Amazons and then everything else is like a pets.com or a... Um, you know, what was the, the grocery store delivery thing that never got started? Like all those failed dot coms. Is, is that what it was? Yeah, Jets and all, all that stuff that failed in the mid, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. There's only going to be a couple winners. So what makes Bitcoin unique? First to market. Yeah, first to market. Um, from a, a global perspective, why people like it, it's the technology underneath it. Um, so it has that blockchain that you hear a lot about, which is actually really interesting. And the way you actually get Bitcoin is you have a computer mine it so the computer's race to solve problems. And that's a pr- what they call proof of work. Um, so both of those are um, pretty unique. And I think that the blockchain technology is something, you know, that is very interesting. You know, that idea, and if, you know, you haven't researched it, just the idea of having a digital database that's user driven, you know, I think is probably here to stay. Um, and can provide a lot of solutions in a lot of different industries, especially for business. You know, so I, I do believe that that's probably here to stay. So do you think cryptocurrency is here to stay, though? I don't know. I mean, I, there's going to be a lot of them that fail. There's going to be probably a couple winners. But I think that Bitcoin is kind of becoming the digital gold. And I think there's a lot of people who have different reasons as why they like Bitcoin. and. I think a lot of them are going to end up being wrong on those reasons. Yeah, and I, and I do believe like like the background of it, so the blockchain technology is here to say, I agree with Matt that a, there's probably going to just be a few winners. And right now is, you know, an investment or, or storage of value, it is completely speculative and that, that price is driven only by supply and demand. So for the people who are really bullish on Bitcoin, what are they excited about? Um, so they like this whole decentralization aspect that Josh was talking about. There's no central authority. because um, you know, they could be re- less reliant on the government or the U.S. government. And, you know, they're, they're mad about Fed money printing. Um, and that's the thing with Bitcoin, right? It's capped. I think I, I feel like there's like supposed to be 24,000 Bitcoins. I, I don't know. How, how Do you remember, Josh? How I, many, I don't remember the on circulation. Number. But you're right. I mean, there, there's only s- certain so, amount of bitcoins just based on like my elementary knowledge of decentralization though it would seem like it would be hard to do that when you have so many different cryptos like if you had one or two maybe but it seems like it makes it even harder when you have a thousand cryptos and everybody could just create their own if they wanted yeah and i think that's just kind of favoring like that idea of there's only going to be a couple winners like how how many can you actually hold 
and if you're exchanging them, you know, you probably want some uniformity to the idea and not a million different types of cryptocurrency. Do you think one of the challenges with cryptocurrencies is was the way it came to market over the last 10 years? Because every time I've come across people either in some so- sort of social media capacity, I see crypto, it felt very like prime America. It felt very like <laughs> scamish. It felt very just not done correctly. Do you get that vibe also? A little bit, yeah. And I think, you know, because it is decentralized and it's user driven, right? So there was no organization that's completely backing it. So it, you know, it was built on the internet and through, you know, message boards and, you know, there was nothing behind it. So it does kind of feel that way. But I think there is some legitimacy that's, you know, evolved. I mean, you know, the Coinbase platform, I think is the leader now of the exchanges, right? And you're seeing even more bigger institutions kind of backing the idea. So it is becoming a little bit more, you know, legit to the consumer. Should listeners really start to invest their portfolio in Bitcoin? And, you know, the second part of that is what about their retirement accounts? No, absolutely not. But let's break this down. First of all, if you want to speculate on Bitcoin, any other cryptocurrency, take your net worth, right? So say you have a two, three million dollar net worth, you know, put 1% of your money in it. Okay, so 1% of 2 million, you know, maybe throw a couple thousand dollars at it. Sure, it's not going to hurt you, but don't go betting your life savings on it. As for retirement accounts, there are some self-directed IRAs that let you put Bitcoin in there. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be doing that. Stick with the tried and true strategy as, as you know, stocks and bonds. Um, you don't know what's going to happen with Bitcoin. It literally can get shut down at any time. So you want to bet your retirement on that? It's probably not a good idea. You have to be willing for it to go to zero if you're going to put your money in it. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as like in- investing in it, you know, put some money into it that you're okay losing with the expectation that can go up. But you know, didn't you kind of already miss the bus on Bitcoin if you were trying to get rich off of it? Yeah, you did. I mean, you, it, it's over. It already happened. It went, it went from it was $10 in like 2010, it's $50,000 now. You missed it, man. It's over. <laughs> like, sorry, if it goes to 100000 you doubled your money. You could probably double your money in Apple stock between now and the time it would take Bitcoin to get to 100000 That's a good point. And here, here's the other point, though, too. If you're sitting here and you're listening to us on the podcast and we have users of all different ages, there's some that are really good on computers, there's some that aren't. You know, if you struggle shooting out emails, you're struggling with your iPhone, Bitcoin's probably not the investment for you because you have to do that on the computer. You have to use an app. You got to download it to your iPhone. You have to set up all these passwords. And there's a a lot of risk that if you don't do it correctly, that little Bitcoin you bought is going to get stolen by somebody else. And that's another IRS statement that has to get filed when you go get your tax returns are completed yes it'll be completely separate from your brokerage account statement from your 1099r here's a here's another one and i believe it's taxed at the collectibles tax rate what i want to know too is how much do tax advisors or cpas charge to file that extra form because a lot of things are based on form right so how much is that increasing your tax bill absolutely and factoring that into your overall rate of return right Right. so the cost of taxes the cost of filing your forms so be prepared, you know, if you are out there thinking about purchasing it, you might as well do it the right way and file the right tax forms and report it the right way so it doesn't cause you more trouble than it's worth. Was that computer challenge directed at me because I don't know how to log into my... No, you're you logging good, but you know, I, you know what I'm just saying? Like, if you're struggling to like figure out the iPhone, 
probably not going to figure out Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, right? This is probably not for you. And that's okay. Yeah, it's a multi-factor login and there's challenges that come with it. So if people did want to purchase it, as of right now, from an advisory standpoint, advisors cannot put this in clients' retirement accounts. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm sure there's some advisors who, who do it or tried to help their clients. But yeah, technically within the law, yeah, you can't. So major custodians like Schwab or Fidelity, whoever, you're not able to purchase on those custodians. No. So to purchase Bitcoin, you have to go to um, Coinbase. So that's a U.S. registered exchange. So they do comply with the IRS. You have to go to Robinhood, the popular stock trading app. Uh, again, a U.S. regulated exchange will cooperate with the IRS. And one thing on Robinhood, though, too, is a lot of people say, actually, when you buy Bitcoin on Robinhood, you don't actually own Bitcoin. Uh, another little error on Robinhood's part. And then also the other one is that the Cash App, I've never played on the Cash App. I've seen Robinhood. I've seen Coinbase. But I know you could buy Bitcoin on the Cash App. I haven't either. I have no experience with Cash App. Yeah. So that's another one. But again, a U.S. regulated money institution, again, will be sending your information to the IRS. Any parting thoughts on Bitcoin? No, just do your research if you are interested. Do your research and making sure that, you know, a lot of those other financial planning tips that we talk about all the time are covered first, right? This is going to be a speculative investment. So um, make sure you're taking your correct planning tips. Do your research before you press the button to buy any Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, my final thought is if you want to experiment, go for it. Don't use, uh, you know, a ton of your money. One to two percent of your net worth is fine, but you missed it. You don't expect the outsized returns that a lot of these other people have had. And then finally, don't expect to get um, returns that look that different than the S&P 500. It's probably going to attract the S&P 500. In March, when the economy was collapsing last year, Bitcoin was collapsing as well. As the stock market recovered, Bitcoin's recovery happened. So it's basically trading kind of like a, you know, 10x S&P 500. Um, so ask yourself, if you can't take the swings of the S&P 500, you're probably not going to be able to take the swings of Bitcoin. So I guess in summary for me, I think it's, you can't buy this in your 401k plan. You're not buying this in your normal traditional IRA. You're not buying it through your major brokerage account that's held at a major custodian. You're going off onto a side custodian to purchase some, some cryptocurrencies. And then when you sell it, you got to file other tax return uh, documents. And so there's, there's a process. But you're not accessing or investing in this through your 401k or major retirement accounts. That's correct. Yeah, that, yep. that, that's correct. You're, you're basically taking a little bit of your money and most likely going to create yourself a big headache. Yeah. So if you didn't go to, go to Vegas this summer because of the pandemic and you have that extra money sitting in your, your uh, bank account, you know, and you want to invest into something and take a stab at something, I guess, you know, if you enjoy the thrill of some crypto or just wanting to be involved in it, I guess this is an option. Yeah. Yep, that's well put. It's time for RPA Recommends. All right, let's get into the final segment, RPA Recommends. I will start this time. Matt, you look ready to go. Let's go. Um, okay, so I will recommend a documentary. Do you guys know the singer Billie Eilish? I do. So she has a documentary on Apple TV Plus. If you buy an Apple device, you get Apple TV Plus for free. So I'm sure most people have new iPhones. You just basically have to go through the, the prompts on your iPhone. Wait, you hold get... on. Brent, do you know who Billie Eilish is? Uh, no, I just looked uh, just completely blank right now. <laughs> I looked at your face. So I wanted to make sure you answered that question. Um, I don't remember what Grammys it was, but she basically cleaned up and won every award as Best New Artist. She 
when she burst on the scene, she was 17 years old. Um, she's a, a really good singer. Her brother is her songwriter. It's a really nice family story. Um, they have a documentary up about how her, her brother, and like their family kind of came to be in their, their local family from Los Angeles. So really, really good documentary. Hi, highly recommend it if you like her. Which, which platform is it on? Apple TV Plus. Oh, that's what you said. Okay, I, I haven't watched it. I'll have to check that out. I'm, I imagine my wife um, will like that too. She likes Billie Eilish. I'll, uh, I'll go next. I'm going to recommend an app. So last time I was talking about spending money. Um, this time I'm going to help clients save a little money. An app on, in the app store called Flip. F-L-I-P-P. And what it does is, is it takes all of those paper ads that grocery stores send you and it puts it into an app for you. And then what's really cool about it is that you can search for a specific item and it'll tell you like where location-wise and which grocery store has that item for the cheapest dollar amount. So like I had showed Brent before our podcast, like you search ground beef and it'll search all of the grocery stores near you to showing you like where's the cheapest ground beef to go buy. So instead of like digging through the ads to looking like where the, you know, savings are at um, it all puts it into one app for you and then you can also search it for the best deals so pretty cool i just um i just downloaded it a few weeks ago and uh thought it was a, a pretty good tool to, to save some money at the grocery store you know I, I i get a sense that the reason you're recommending something for people to save money is because after last show's rpa recommends we talked about who the listeners would enjoy better the ones that you guys were telling to spend money or me telling them to save money the feedback came hands down with my recommendation one by saving people money. Wait, excuse me. What was your sample size, though? Well, we, don't, we don't need to assess the sample size. All that matters <laughs> is that I won. <laughs> I still won. Maybe I piggybacked on the, the savings, okay? So maybe I go back and forth. Spend money, save money. There you go. Well, they appreciate saving money, <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm going to look into that because I like saving money, and I'm not really, you know, I, do people even use coupons at the store So. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, I know like a lot of them are d- like digital, but then also I just don't like getting like the, all the paper in the mail and like digging through. Now it's all on your phone, which is cool. I didn't even know that that existed. That's great. Here's the thing about spending money. All right. And we're talking about Bitcoin. Instead of buying Bitcoin for a couple of thousand dollars, go spend the money on something nice and go enjoy yourself. We're coming out of a pandemic. Not everybody feels that way, Matt. They want to maybe want to buy some Bitcoin. Uh, your money will be better spent on an experience than buying bitcoin just remember <laughs> just remember bitcoin doesn't actually have a coin <laughs> that's true uh, it's a d- d- digital coin yeah even though they have the little logo for the coin there's no actual coin i want the coin uh so my rpa recommend will be thrive market thrive market is a um sort of like a a costco though for like maybe healthier foods or like a in more of a grocery store setting so you could order on there. Every, they have tons and tons of grocery products. But if you're going to the grocery store and just buying your main stuff, but also you know maybe you want to sprinkle in some other products that you don't want to go through the store and just try to find, it's a great way to have all your other stuff sort of uh, just delivered to you. You could set up regular deliveries or you can order it just as a need basis. We order stuff that's you know, sometimes harder to find in the stores or sometimes you know, it just saves time when you go to the grocery store. Uh, or you know, if we use a lot of that product a lot, like we use a lot of chicken bone broth and things like that, I don't want to put eight of those in my cart when I go to the grocery store. I'd rather just have it delivered. It's just a very easy way to order food. So we found it to be very useful. That's awesome. Is it a subscription or is you could just go on there and order anytime? It's kind of like Costco where you have a uh, yearly uh, membership. I think it was like $60. Mm. And then from there, you just order everything you need for the year. 
whenever cool. you want. Yeah, they just charged me. I've only ordered from it once, though. But yeah, it's like a Whole Foods um, for kind of prepackaged goods, but a little bit cheaper than Whole Foods. So yeah, good recommendations. Yeah, I like doing the large quantity stuff from there. Then I don't have to go look like I'm hoarding food at the grocery store. <laughs> All right, so as we finish up, as advisors, we, we truly do love helping people, and we're so thankful for you listening. Um, that's why we do it. If you'd like to schedule an appointment with us, please go to rpawealth.com. You can select your favorite advisor or podcaster in the room, schedule with them. You can also download our ebook from our website. If you like the show notes, please go to retirementplanplaybook.com. Thank you for listening to Retirement Plan Playbook. We'll get back with you next time. Thank you. Thank you. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcast. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.